You're listening to the Chasing Fandom Podcast on the Random Chatter Network with your host, Chris McGuffin. So, the latest bit of content taking the Star Wars fandom by storm is Forces of Destiny, a web series consisting of two to three minute episodes that have focused on characters like Rey, Jin, Ahsoka, and others. And of course, as with basically everything that is Star Wars related, Forces of Destiny is no exception to controversy, this time on how it seems to be aimed at young kids, particularly girls. I wanted to have a discussion about Forces of Destiny and its contribution to not only Star Wars, but also the female side of geek culture. And who better to do that with than Katrina Dennis? As you will hear in this episode, Katrina is an incredibly gifted lady, having been a podcaster, writer, and all sorts of awesome stuff. She was the perfect candidate to break this all down with, and our discussion is full of some great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. All right, everyone. So I'm here with Katrina Dennis. Katrina, how are you? I am well. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Just trying to enjoy my summer. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's becoming quite the toaster outside. So yeah. uh, if there's any AC in the background, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so how have you been? It's been a while since we've chatted. I've been well. I've been well. I've been doing a, a lot of work. I started a new job. Um, I've got some new stuff coming up on StarWars.com, and I've got uh, podcast comebacks left and right. And so, <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to kind of be back and just in time for Comic-Con mm-hmm. and everything. So Awesome. Yay! <laughs> so why don't you just introduce yourself? Because um, I... I I'm pretty sure most people that listen to this podcast know who you are, or at least at least heard heard of you before. But just in case there's that one person out there that doesn't know who you are, uh, just you know, describe yourself. You know what you do, some of your uh, fandoms and interests. Oh, uh, he- hello to everyone I've probably harassed on Twitter at some point in a friendly way, uh, and the one person who doesn't know me. <laughs> uh, I'm Katrina Dennis. I go by Oh Katrina everywhere that there is a place, and um, I, I I primarily fancy myself as a writer. Um, I love writing stories, and I'm working on um, a comic, and I'm working on a video game right now, so really excited about that. Um, I also do entertainment journalism, and I currently write as a blogger for StarWars.com. So I'm really excited to come back for that as well. And yeah, that's um, that's kind of what I'm up to right now. I'm also awesome. a social media manager over at Wizard World Comic Con, so that's yeah, really fun. I was just about to ask you about Wizard World because I remember when you were talking about it on your Facebook, how you... Uh, first got it, and you were really excited about it. So how, how's that been? How'd you get involved with that? Uh, well, I actually found it uh, through another social media manager at an old job of mine. And it's really funny because I work now exactly one block from that job. Uh, and he's the person who introduced me. And it's been really fun because I kind of, you know, I grew up on the convention scene. Like, I've been going to Star Trek conventions in particular. Uh, that was my first, and my dad had me there at, like, three years old. He just slapped a captain's uniform on me, and off we went. And so ever since then, I've been attending various conventions of sorts, and comic conventions are my favorite. And so when Wizard World needed somebody to hop on social media, I was, like, there with bells on. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. So yeah, what are what are really some cool. of your uh, your fandoms? You mentioned Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, what other things do you like? Yeah, so I, I of course Star Wars is like my number one. It's always been there for me. Um, but I, I like a lot of different things. I'm a huge comic book fan. Uh, currently, I am uh, waiting up for the next Lumberjanes. But I, I, of course, follow the Star Wars comics and talk about those over on Comics in the Cantina. Um, and I really have gotten into web comics lately in the form of webtoons. And you can get these on, like, the Line app or uh, this other site called Lezin and a couple different uh, sites. And it's just this one long comic strip that you just scroll on your phone and a lot of these stories by like these up and coming creators are like so good and so yeah so that's my big my other big love right now is just like webtoons i'm all about it i'm like crying every day (laughs) stories on there so yeah Um, so I know you've done uh, uh, a few podcasts in your time. Uh, you do yeah. your comics podcast. You do Team Kanan, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out to Jonah and Jeremy. <laughs> Yay. I actually, I think it was around this time of the season finale of Rebels. Um, I've, I've obviously heard about uh, the three of you talking about that podcast forever now. Uh, mm-hmm. But the last season finale, I finally decided to listen to it. And I was definitely not disappointed with it even though you weren't there oh no jonah and jeremy are amazing like they could they could easily do that podcast without me i'm just lucky to have them so yeah (laughs) are you getting excited to kind of get back into the swing of that yes absolutely i I, teen canaan is really it's kind of one of my favorite things to do uh every week when we record it because there's so much enthusiasm behind the show but there's also this kind of balanced critique like jeremy always has something that kind of like goes against what i believe or you know like jonah has a different opinion so it's Mm -hmm. kind of cool because we we i think we share the same enthusiasm but the diversity of opinion Mm -hmm. is really neat because it gives us different perspectives on everything and that's why i love it and then we just can't stop talking about kanan's great hair and so (laughs) we will we're gonna be team kanan for like the next 20 years it's gonna be great I like that you mentioned the diversity of opinions because I think that's something that isn't evident in every podcast. And Mm. I'll be honest, there have been ones where I I would listen to it and then it would just get old and stale because you could almost predict the kind of opinions that all the hosts are going to have because they're all the same. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know know when I do my Star Wars podcast, Echo Base, I always kind of like to have a dissenting opinion, um, which I most of the time do. Uh, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the Star Wars uh, novels that are coming out. But, um, yeah, that, that's the kind of conversation that I enjoy having. It's probably why I enjoy Team Kanan so much. So. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's so much fun to record. Like it, it opens my mind up a little more every week, and then I go back and rewatch the episodes and go like, oh, no, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. So, yeah, it's really fun to record. So uh, is there anything else that you're uh, you're doing? You mentioned that you're writing a story or a comic of some kind. Yes. So I told you about my obsession with Webtoons, and I have actually been working on a story called Treasure in the Core for, like, roughly a year and a half now. And um, just recently, like a couple of months back, I posted some concept, concepts for the lead cast um, that were drawn by my friend Melissa Somerville. Uh, and we're, I'm finally kind of moving into somewhere where it, it was originally a novel and then I wanted it to be like a full fledged 
comic pitch and, and then I sort of fell in love with like this form of storytelling with webtoons mm-hmm. and I think it's really perfect for it and um and I, I would really like to make like a, a good accessible comic because this is a story that like narratively I would like it to be accessible so in a, a from a marketing perspective and from a distribution perspective I think mm-hmm. it would be you know, since it's via mobile, that's totally where I want to start. And it's super easy to publish, like, on the different um, apps and services that they have. So mm-hmm. there's not there's not too many scams out there. So as far as my first story goes, I'm really, really excited. It's going to be a, a fun story with some sexy aliens and, and <laughs> sassy AI and, and a really cool uh, space captain uh, pirate lady part-time delivery girl. It'll be great. <laughs> that sounds like a nice combination. I've got to admit. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. It's uh, so just the basic rundown of the story. Cause I just realized I talked in circles about how much I love webtoons again. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm like really into it now. It's ridiculous. Uh, um, it, it's about this, this space captain, space pirate, former space pirate, current delivery girl, um, Natalia Cordero. And, uh, she, is basically at wit's end with her her current boss, and she's you know she's a delivery girl, so the person who handles distribution, uh, Bana, is really fed up with her because she keeps breaking their ships and she keeps like not completing her missions, and he's they're kind of like keeping uh, her around as a favor to her previous mentor, mm-hmm. um, and so Bana gives her this final chance to like make it right. And the chance leads her into this weird adventure that kind of cascades into the past that she's trying to avoid. So, and then along the way, she meets all these cool people. There's this really sassy prince, and he's kind of he's kind of the person that she has to take care of the whole way through. Like she can't let him die. Um, and then there's this great bounty hunter who has named himself Ren Striker, but that's totally not his real name. It's like got to be something dorky like we'll find out later mm-hmm. uh and he's a lot of fun and then uh all of the engineer is kind of like our balancing character so um there there are a lot of different personalities and, and i'm excited for the story and That's i've awesome. never ever told any about this or anyone about this like this is great this is the first time i've put <laughs> this into words so it's almost <laughs> an exclusive here <laughs> yes this is an exclusive for chasing fandom i finally lifted this from the mess of google docs i have uh and told you about it so really exciting <laughs> do you have any idea when this uh will be released or, or when you're going to make some progress on it Yes, uh, I am aiming for the beginning of September, but I'll have a more concrete release date once I finish laying down the first three chapters. I just want to get those out of the way first, Mm -hmm. and then I'll have some time to pace out the rest of them. Because I have it all planned out, all the way through, like, horrible numbers that you don't even want to know yet. (laughs) (laughs) I know when I was younger, uh, I was occasionally a dabble in fan fiction, and... Mm -hmm. Most of the time, when it came to longer stories, I would never write the actual story. I would just mm-hmm. do the main outline, and then by that point, I would be tired of it and have a new idea, and I would just move on to something else. <laughs> yes, yeah, I have this secondary idea that's kind of floating, and what I'm using that for is to like bounce back and forth between so that I don't like overwhelm my palate on one project, you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully, hopefully that tides over. It's worked out for me so far for like a month, so... I'm really excited. <laughs> I remember one time I was writing, well, I, I had this idea for a very, very, very elaborate Final Fantasy VII sequel. Oh. And 
I made the entire outline and I read or I wrote the first like I think three chapters of it. And I like mm-hmm. the, the first three chapters, like each one was in, you know, it was cheap, you know, young adult fan fiction at the time. So it was like maybe three or four Microsoft Word pages each, which, you know, isn't a lot, you know, by, Mm -hmm. by some standards, but it was for me at the time. But by the time I got to the end of the third chapter, even though I like, I had this amazing story planned out or I thought it was amazing. Um, I was just Mm -hmm. tired of it. So I I unfortunately gave up. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta keep the muse burning. I mean, like that's, that's what the hardest part is, is when you, when you do long term stories like that, it's hard to, keep your passion going for mm-hmm. it because it's you know it's the same same people you're working with essentially you know yeah. so i totally get that it's a little easier when you're like older and you're like oh no i have to make my career happen now and <laughs> so now it's like i gotta get this comic out right now yeah. <laughs> so the topic that i wanted to talk to you about is something that i think is pretty cool star wars forces mm-hmm. of destiny Yay! which just started airing well not not technically airing, I would say, but uh, being posted on the Disney YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know what it is, it is a series of two to three minute uh, shorts that have come out uh, each day this week. I don't know if they're going to continue the everyday release schedule or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's right now it's focusing on the, uh, and I don't know if this is like permanent, but I imagine it would be. Um, focusing on the female characters of Star Wars. So the first uh, story was about um, the first two stories actually were about uh, Rey and we've had one uh, about Ahsoka and a couple with Leia. So yeah, that's pretty much the, the sum summed up version of it. Uh, Katrina, what have you thought about Forces of Destiny so far? Well, I have two nieces who are now exactly within the, the age range of Forces of Destiny, so it's been kind of exciting for me because they, you know, they've done that thing that toddlers do where they humor you about Star Wars and they'll play with Star Wars toys, but you know they don't quite get it yet. And mm-hmm. this is, like, where I think they're going to really connect, and they've reacted, like, so well to it. Like, my sister videotaped them watching it and they got all excited it was it was great so i'm really excited about it because like you know when when i think about how they're experiencing things i recall how i became like a fangirl and and a big geek as a as a kid so Mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to kind of to to relive that and then also be able to understand everything that's going on um so i love it i think it's great yeah i should probably point out that it is directed at kids so it's mm-hmm. not, you know, something like the Clone Wars, which is probably more for older kids uh, and teenagers uh, and adults do. But that that's mm-hmm. the target uh, demographic, um, which is something that we don't see too often for Star Wars. Like, I know we kind of have Rebels, which is maybe still aimed for the older kid audience, even though it's airing on Disney XD. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is definitely aimed for the younger audience, which I like because... I know we have a few people uh, here on the network that listen to us, um, and they talk about how their kids will read the uh, the uh, young readers books that come mm-hmm. out. Um, there was some for TFA. I think there was some for Rogue One too, and they make some for Rebels. Um, and I think that's an underused demographic, not only with Star Wars, but like really with nerd culture in general. So I'm I'm glad that with the whole Disney acquisition thing, they're kind of targeting that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember growing up, you know, there was Star Wars content for uh, little kids, but it wasn't anything like really what we're seeing now, I think. Um, yeah. You know, we had books and stuff, but, you know, we didn't have uh, any shorts or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the closest thing we got to uh, an online series like this was uh, the Clone Wars micro series, which I love. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So what is your favorite episode so far? Mine has been probably the Ray ones just because I love Ray to death. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I think uh, I I actually really like the 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 one with um, Leia and Chewie on Hoth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. I just I love the way that it looks like Chewie is being hugged to death. Um, <laughs> it's it's fantastic, and I I love that you know really it really shows how Leia like is a capable person physically and mentally. Like you don't see Leia like get down and scrappy that much in mm-hmm. uh in movie canon. You know, she's always got a blaster. She's always like ha- had that distance. She's like a long range kind of fighter if you want to classify her that way. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see like that the the training that was like kind of mentioned uh if you remember in the Princess Leia series. Um uh, a comic miniseries where she's like training as a kid. You mm-hmm. can see she's agile and it's also probably a note to her force sensitivity as well. So yeah, yeah, I, I really like that a lot. <laughs> I think it's an interesting way to kind of um, show parts of characters that we haven't seen before uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or have them exhibit personality traits that we haven't seen before, or if we have ones that maybe only have been in a written form, or were just like maybe talked about, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like you mentioned with the uh, Leia thing. Um, I felt that way about the about Chewbacca in this last one with Echo Base. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I think the the I'm still warming up to the animation. Um, it was nice to see Chewie be more mobile and be more. Um, more than what we see in the movies, because yeah. there's only mm-hmm. so much you can do in that costume. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, I think that's that's really cool. Like we, because you you see people be people be um, warriors are agile in the the prequels. Like everyone gets very physical mm-hmm. in the prequels. They're very close range fighters. So as opposed to our, our original trilogy tri- trio, who prefer to run and shoot, which is totally mm-hmm. the route I would take. Um, (laughs) you know, like they, it's cool to see them, like I said, get down and scrappy and things like that. Cause you only really see like, you know, Luke and Han get a little bit of chance, but even they don't really get down like Mm -hmm. and fight, you know? So I think that's really, it's, it was really cool to see Leia doing those kinds of things. Yeah. And in the Ewok episode as well, she jumps like a great length at that, during that last part when she, she grabs the the little Ewok from like the clutches of the stormtroopers in a way mm-hmm. after he's hanging on the vine yeah yeah so I think that's really cool I, I liked that a lot who are you looking forward to uh, seeing in the future I know we oh, have we Hera Hera okay <laughs> Good I'm sorry <laughs> yeah Hera is my favorite. If you hear, if you listen to Rebels, like I talk about, or if you, if you listen to Team Kanan, I talk about Hera as much as Jeremy talks about Darth Maul, uh, <laughs> which is at an annoying rate. Like that, I think those are our staples. You know, Jonah's got uh, Captain Rex, Jeremy's all about Maul, and I'm all about Hera. Like I mm-hmm. love her, and I can't wait to have like 
actual Hera focused content because we spend so little time with her um, mm-hmm. in comparison to everyone else, you know? Yeah. So, uh, man, I love her. <laughs> I kind of hope that with season four of Rebels, given that it's the last season, we get more of Hera because I still feel mm-hmm. that she is an underused character. And I mean, yes. what, what we get right now is a good thing. But, you know, there's still so much that we don't know about her. And we know she's she lives past, uh, or assuming Rebels ends before Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know she lives at least through there because we hear her mentioned over the intercom in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to see more of her, though. I mean, may, maybe that we're getting maybe something later in the future that's not Rebels related, that's after Rogue mm-hmm. One. Maybe she's like this big general that lives through the entire original trilogy that has just never been explored because she obviously wasn't in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think Hera is definitely one person that I would be uh, very anxious to see. Now, Jen is supposed to be in this too, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Jen Erso has, um, has a couple episodes, I believe, and Felicity Jones is coming back mm-hmm. uh, to voice her, which is really cool. Yeah. I liked that yeah. they have her and Daisy reprising their roles. Yes. Um, I, I, I kind of laughed at Daisy's voice acting because I like, no, I, I love Daisy, but you could tell that that's something that she's not really familiar with, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just weird because we've seen her on screen and then now we see her voicing a character and it was just it took, it, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to that, um, if, assuming she shows up again. But I, You know, I, I have that, to... Oh, go on, sorry. I was just saying that I, I hope that um, Felicity is at least on par with that. But she, I think she's a little bit more experienced than Daisy is, just in acting in general. I think Felicity has also done uh, voice roles before. And um, Daisy... Uh, Daisy Ridley is either already in or in an upcoming Miyazaki film, and I forgot mm-hmm. which one it was, but Ashley uh, Eckstein is also in it, um, who voices Ahsoka. So, goodness, I need that, that movie <laughs> and see how she did in that. Because, I, I mean, like, you can compare a, a two-minute sec- two episode to a full-length movie, certainly. So I mm-hmm. wonder if that also was it, like the duration, the animation... I have a feeling that, especially in this case, she didn't have animation to go off of, but I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was Only Yesterday is the uh, ah, film that she was in. Only Yesterday, yeah. And it looks mm-hmm. like there's another one maybe, too. Just looking here. Oh, wow. Oh, no, never mind. It's a live action. <laughs> huh? My fault. Okay. Well, I'm glad she's getting more work because I love her. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Daisy Ridley. <laughs> Absolutely. So, of course, with any uh, Star Wars-related thing that gets released, be it a movie, a TV series, or a book, always comes the negative reaction. Mm-hmm. And, which, you know, everyone can have their opinion. We're not here to say you're wrong completely for having an opinion. We'll hear mm-hmm. all sides. Um, so yeah, some people have been reacting negatively to this, uh, and I want to make a disclaimer before, uh, we continue because I know good and well that someone will message me either on Twitter (laughs) or my email and tell me how I'm wrong for having an opinion. Um, some of the stuff that I'm going to ask today Mm -hmm. is not my own personal opinion. I'm simply asking the questions just to not, well, kind of play devil's advocate 
and get at least the the conversation going and all make sure all sides are expressed here or at least get mm. their voice heard and and why some sides may be more correct than others. So I just want to put that out there before anybody throws a hissy fit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So first, um, a lot of people are sent, are not really upset, but kind of miffed at the fact that this is a series that's geared more towards younger kids, children. Mm -hmm. I mean, Star Wars has always been a kid's thing, and barring any, like, adult TV series, like the long-rumored Star Wars Underworld that we were supposed to get forever, um, Mm -hmm. I think it'll always be for kids. At least the vast majority of it will be something for children. Um, But this one, like like we were talking about earlier, kind of has a different demographic. And... um, I kind of wonder, does this alienate the audience and, and not really, not really the, the kids, but like the, the teenager and adult side of the fandom? Hmm. Well, I, I don't necessarily think it alienates them. Um, but this is a much newer demographic for Star Wars. It's very rare that Star Wars goes for kids who are, within the demographic of, of, you know, three, four to five or six years old. Like Mm -hmm. most people are, most of the targets, especially with Rebels, you have boys six to 13. Um, So this is kind of a new venture for them. And that's probably why these are bite-sized, two-minute episodes that you can pop on your iPad for baby to watch while you uh, go take care of something. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. like these are absolutely developed for like very quick consumption by very young people. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because these are, these are characters that are already established. So I, I don't know, like I, I, from my perspective, I think it's really cool for, um, nerd parents, especially who grew up with Star Wars, who now get to share this with their kids and also kind of have current material that they're learning more about. Um, and also we sort of have material for everyone out there. Though I do think that an adult TV show uh, would be really awesome to have. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I honestly, a full-scale Star Wars TV show is a dream. Like, it would be incredible. And I, I, I definitely think there's an audience for it that that is waiting and ready. And a lot of them are part of the people who are upset about this because, once again, this is aimed at children. And, you know, the fact of the matter, like you said, is that Star Wars is a franchise aimed at younger audiences. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, changing and adapting is really hard, you know, for, for a lot of people for different reasons and different situations. So it's that's kind of why I never immediately get mad when somebody gets upset about the change. Because it's, you know, some people are just change averse and it kind mm-hmm. of shakes them up and... They need a little time to think about it and sit on the subject and then go like, oh, okay, I'm not as affected by this as I thought I was mm-hmm. um, or, or however they feel like, it, you know, um, but I don't, I don't think this alienates an audience. Like you, you, I don't feel alienated as an adult because of a two minute cartoon. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really neat to have these little like bullet points of like, oh, and this happened to Ray, you know, like this to me, it's kind of like, um, like mini comics, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of how I see kids consuming it. The focus of, of forces of destiny is obviously on the female characters of star Wars. Um, do you think this at all maybe affects the, 
uh, audience that they're reaching for. And, you know, uh, adults aside, because obviously adults have twi- have access to Twitter and they put out their opinions all the time. But yeah. do you think that maybe, like, there's uh, a young kid, maybe even, you know, probably primarily boys, but maybe even girls, too, mm. that look at this and they're like, well, you know, I, I like you know, Leia and I like Ray and I like Ahsoka, but you know, where is Luke? Where is Han? Where is Finn? Where is Poe? All of these other characters. Um, do you think that is a, uh, a factor at all? Um, I, I don't know. Like, well, so I grew up as a star Wars loving kid and I identified the most first with Han Solo when I was really young. Like he was the guy that I wanted to be when I grew up because I thought he was so cool and, and he he flew a ship and I wanted to be able to fly a plane and all kinds of stuff. Still have gotten to that, but maybe soon. Um, but yeah, I, you know, so I don't think it's weird to think that kids can identify with people of the opposite gender. Like, you know, j- just uh, as a reaction from Wonder Woman, there are now like little boys that just love Wonder Woman shirts. Like mm-hmm. they wear theirs, they have their toys. She's part of their team. And Wonder Woman has always been part of, like, the Justice League. Like, there are a lot of little boys who look up to her. And so I I don't know. Like, I, you know, as someone who was kind of, like, as a girl who had more male heroes than female heroes as an option, it was kind of just natural for me to identify with whoever's personality I found most Mm -hmm. appealing or inspiring and things like that. So. I don't, I don't think it really alienates little boys. And we have, like, a lot of uh, material coming out for Star Wars that I think everyone can kind of consume. You know, we've mm-hmm. had, there have been, like, the Lego games, which are amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and everybody everybody loves those. You know, like, Gail Simone plays those. And, you know, she's mm-hmm. she does not have a young son. So it's, you know, it's really cool to have something that's kind of accessible. Like, Star Wars has its faults. And, like, maybe there's only a specific audience for this and i definitely think that there is and it's not an audience that star wars has gone for before mm-hmm. but there's still stuff on the table you know if you don't like carrots well we've got uh you know pork over here <laughs> there's something there for everybody and if there's mm-hmm. not then i feel like there's an audience there for star wars to access so yeah yeah mm-hmm. do you think that because I remember at Celebration in Orlando in April, uh, Forces of Destiny was highlighted at the Heroines of Star Wars panel, which was a good panel. I didn't go to it, but I saw the highlights of it, and I, I thought it's just a, it's a good thing um, to you know, have people like Daisy, and I think uh, Vanessa Marshall might have been there, and yeah. I don't know who else was there. Ashley was there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's nice to see the actual faces of some of these characters, especially the ones that do just the voices. Um do you think that because they're at least maybe marketing or not not completely marketing, but at least highlighting the fact that this is a quote unquote girls thing, do you think that's a smart move by Disney and Lucasfilm to kind of associate forces of destiny with girls instead of you know saying oh this is for you know having it be focusing on female characters but the marketing side of it or the promotion of it be not one way or the other i think it's a great idea i think i think the the marketing is inclusive and that's what matters like nobody goes like like hey girl jedi like Mm -hmm. nobody's advertising it that way so like you don't have to like 
worry about boys going like, oh, well, I like Ray, but this isn't a show for me. Like, I can't watch it. And, like, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, and I think it's great. Like, you, you know, I think the Forces of Destiny is star is a way for Star Wars to boldly say, like, hey, you know that everyone's welcome here, but mm-hmm. everyone is welcome here. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, everyone here is welcome. So I think it's cool, and it's not like it's a... You know, it's not a full-length movie, and, you know, it's something fun for for little kids to watch. So I think it's great. And, you know, as someone who is an excited aunt who wants her nieces to really be into Star Wars so that I can be the cool aunt and take them to Disneyland and then dump them (laughs) back on their parents, yeah, this is, like, perfect for me. Like, by the time they're ready to go with me, they're going to know everybody because they have this great content to kind of grow with, you know? Mm So it's beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at Celebration when this was first announced and talked about. Personally, at the time, like my, my gut reaction was like, why are they talking about this at like a Heroines of Star Wars panel? Like, why not just make it all about Forces of Destiny? Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I like actual actually did research and saw what was being talked about and you know eventually watched the content, I was like, oh, you know, this is fine like you know maybe up on first glance there might be a a legitimate reason to maybe be upset if you're not the target demographic but then once you like watch the content like Mm -hmm. it's it's not affecting you it's not you know taking away your content like people uh did when legends um got decanonized if it ever was canon Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think honestly, most of the negative reaction we have is just people overreacting about silly things. If we're being honest, yeah, or just like misguided, maybe they haven't like really watched it yet. Because I also that's that's what I was thinking is like, why is there no Forces of Destiny panel? And then I was like, oh, they're two minutes long. Like yeah. the whole panel would have shown the entire series. So, mm-hmm. and I think announcing it with Daisy and Ashley and everyone who was involved in the series is a good strong way to to say it because you know everyone but felicity was there i think and i think that was fantastic you know Mm -hmm. they got to talk about it themselves so it was cool yeah Mm -hmm. so one of the comments that got made specifically um i i didn't see the actual comment or or what post it was made on Mm -hmm. uh but lillian noble um one of the more popular uh star wars fandom um people on twitter uh Mm -hmm. she is uh lillian sky underscore on twitter um she screenshotted a facebook comment that i assume was on one of the forces of destiny videos and i want to read to read it Mm -hmm. to you and then get your thoughts i'm you may have seen this already um Mm -hmm. But it says, quote, why is it not okay to give young boys new modern strong male role models anymore? And why can't Disney write a good strong female character either? They can only write so many variations of Katniss Everdeen, unquote. (laughs) Goodness. Aside from the bad spelling that was in this comment, and that's what most (laughs) most people were making fun of, um, of the comment for that reason. Oh, right. But, Cause he said he spelled right. Um, like R W R A G H T. Yeah. <laughs> um, but getting to getting to the actual like meat of the comment, uh, I assume that you highly disagree with it. 
oh, yeah, I'm sorry, but has this buddy ever read Lost Stars? Like, the dudes in Lost Stars are incredible. Like, uh, and, and has he heard of, of, of Admiral Callus, who has a full story arc to admire? Like, has he heard of Ezra Bridger, the hero of Star Wars Rebels? Like, there are plenty of, of new, really good male role models and male villains and all sorts of stuff in Star Wars. Like, ha- has he heard of Bodhi Rook, who is obviously never did anything wrong and never deserved anything bad? Mm-hmm. Like, he never deserved anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's all I'm saying. Like, there there are tons of, of various compelling, like, heroes and villains coming in. And so I, I feel like that comment just shows that somebody is not paying attention because... Ezra has been the hero of Star Wars Rebels for three seasons, and mm-hmm. he's been around for a while, and he's pretty new, I think. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I would definitely agree with you there. Um, there is one part of this com of this comment that I kind of not necessarily agree with when it comes to Star Wars, but I do agree with it just in pop culture in general, at least to an extent. But I'll I'll save that for uh, here in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. but I, when I did see this, my original thought after thinking about it was that I kind of think that the general assumption right now, um, and not really in just nerd culture, but just really when it comes to any kind of major franchise like this, um, mm-hmm. is that you can only identify with a character of your own gender. Um, you know, I personally think that, you know, I don't care if you're a young boy or girl or an older boy or girl or whatever, you should find role models for characters based on your personality, mm-hmm. not the way they look. I mean, you were mentioning earlier that when you were growing up, you really liked Han Solo, and that's perfectly oh, yeah. fine. Um, mm-hmm. I know a girl that I went to high school with, and I know when she was a kid, um, she was really into Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Me right now, I'm a 25 year old guy, and I have a poster of Ray hanging up on my wall because I love Ray. Yeah, uh, and you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that, but I kind of feel like that is the unpopular opinion when it comes to society yeah. at, at, at at large. And I think there are so many ways to to say that opinion where where every single one of them is kind of like a negative ideal and and i don't think that i don't subscribe to the fact that like oh everyone should subscribe to or everyone should admire people of their own gender because if that were the rule i would have very slim pickings um, over (laughs) the past couple of decades it would that's totally silly like that's i think that's what everyone needs to understand is like nobody's asking that there's that production is stopped on all male characters or any character that looks like this it's just like more is always better. Like you get more X Men, you don't have to deal with Scott Summers exactly. <laughs> but you have all these other great guys that you can now hang out with, and they're all really cool, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you know, like that's that's sort of how I feel. It, it's it, it the more the merrier, the more options we have. You know, because mm-hmm. any little kid could identify with like a genderless alien, which I believe there is one in Aftermath. Um, and so, like, that's pretty cool, too, like, you know, or a droid. And it, it's, it all depends on who you admire personally and who you want to be like. Like, that's at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. the more, the merrier. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that Forces of Destiny could really capitalize on um, mm-hmm. is this idea of – because, you know, these aren't really about, like, 
dialogue. Obviously, they're two, three minute shorts. They're not about dialogue. They're more about what's going on on the screen and what you see come out of the characters. Um, I think that if you see like Leia being a hero or, uh, you know, Ray saving BB-8 from that uh, monster in the, I think the first episode, it might have been the second mm-hmm. one too that she saved him. Um, but like, uh, the monster was their pal in the second one. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they were being chased by somebody in the second mm, one. Right? Tito, yeah. And the, fir- the first one was with the sand monster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you see things like this in like a little two, three minute short, it, it makes, I would imagine, it would make a kid more apt to, you know, like that character. And, you know, they're like, Young, they're not going to care if it's a boy or a girl unless you know mm-hmm. their parents say, "Oh, you're not allowed to like that character because you know you're not a girl or you're not a boy or whatever." Um, don't do that. Don't yeah. do that, parents. Please, like, I'm not telling you how to parent, but like, don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, let let your kids <laughs> like who they want to like. It doesn't matter. Yeah, who it is, unless um, it's like a serial killer, then talk. To yeah, them. don't stop them. Don't let them like serial killers. Um. But it also does things like in the Echo Base uh, episode, there was that piece of dialogue from 3PO, which I love 3PO. And that part just made me laugh out loud. (laughs) I had to actually stop the episode. (laughs) I was laughing so hard Um, Mm -hmm. just because I I love his kind of humor. But, you know, it's it's simple things like that that I, I feel like people who complain are just missing the point. And it's not just in Star Wars. It's in everything. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like people have, uh, because everyone has such high expectations, it, uh, pardon my phrasing, clouds our judgment and kind of blocks our view of all the other things that we already kind of have, you know, like Mm -hmm. the stories that are being developed for us. Um, So I think it's just like it's a new shiny thing and everyone's paying attention to it. And so they're putting all their misguided anger on it. And it's like, guys, slow down. There's this movie coming out in December and you're going to love it. It's Mm. just for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The second half of the comment about why can't Disney write a good, strong female character? Uh, They can only Mm -hmm. write so much or so many variations of Katniss Everdeen. I kind of see the guy's point to a degree. Um, with Star mm-hmm. Wars, we don't really, we've not really seen somebody that's like Katniss. Maybe with Jen, I, I can see maybe the comparisons there. Um, but, you know, we really don't have that issue yet. Rey is, depending on what they do with her in The Last Jedi and then Episode Nine. Um, mm-hmm. it, I'm assuming they're going to explain, you know, why she is, uh, exhibited some of the power and how the force within her awakened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to be a problem, but no. as, assuming, you know, there, there's no issue there, you know, Star Wars doesn't really have this, but it is evident in a lot of other popular culture fiction, um, you know, how do we get beyond that stereotype? How do we stop people from mm-hmm. making comparisons to Katniss? I, you know, I think that what he said was out of anger, but I also kind of, you know, in in a different kind of plane, I agree that the action girl stereotype is overplayed. Mm-hmm. And while I think he was just saying it just to be a jerk, it's kind of like there are characters that are very similar in popular culture. 
uh, that are female. Like it, it feels like a lot of times there's only like five types of girls that people know how to write. And that goes into like further things like, uh, like the, uh, uh, hold on one sec. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my brain died. Um, that goes into further things like what writing rooms look like and things like that. So, you know, I mean, I think that's the cool thing about it is that you can tell there's like a big team working on this with a bunch of different sorts of people mm-hmm. who want to build different kinds of characters. Um, so I think that that's, it's a nice step in the right direction. Um, but I totally kind of get like the whole, oh, we don't want to see the same kind of character because so rarely, and even, even with male characters these days, so rarely do people kind of veer off of like certain stereotypes and tropes in stories. Um, because everything's so safe and everyone's doing superhero stuff now. And while I love superhero stuff, it's kind of, I get that, you know, like everyone's kind of in the same boat. So yeah, like I, I think on that level, I would agree with what he has to say, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I, I was d- desperately trying to at least not tear the guy apart 100%. Yeah. Because I do feel like that is at least, there's a point in there somewhere that you can take out and maybe agree with. Um, mm-hmm. you, me- you mentioned male characters. That's something that I think about too, and sometimes I'm afraid to talk about it. Because I feel like there's this stigma sometimes that you're not allowed mm-hmm. to uh, say, oh, male characters are, you know, written terribly too. Because there are really badly written male characters and that fit this stereotype, especially in, in films. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get a little bit more variety in uh, books and comics, but films especially, you know, there's this action hero that always does everything correct and never falters and yeah they might have one or two moments of emotion but they always come through in the end and you know it's ne- it never fails so yeah yeah i mean you can only write so many you know dark guys whose parents one parent or both parents are dead and he has to go avenge yeah. his girlfriend and blah blah so it's kind of like everyone's kind of been given a crapshoot um, mm-hmm. as far as stories go. Uh, and I, I totally think that it's a valid complaint that more characters need to be diverse, especially as we have more female characters coming to the limelight. We can't have the same kind of chick, you know, over and yeah. over and over again. So, but that was totally not what he was saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the uh, characters in your story don't fall to that stereotype. I don't think they would. Oh, no. I think you're a little bit smarter no. than that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, they're they're fantastic. They're really great. <laughs> so I'm biased. <laughs> so I wasn't planning on asking this question, but I feel like you, you mentioned the word risks. Um, obviously, we're having some issues with the Han Solo movie, and given that you're mm-hmm. a big Han Solo fan, are, first of all, are you excited about the Han Solo movie? Is that something you want to see? Uh... I think I'll defer to Harrison Ford's answer about it, where it was like, "Mm." (laughs) back in celebration. I'm kind of like, I was interested in it. I'm interested in the story of it, but I'm still kind of like tense, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, with the way I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will obviously see the movie the day it opens or the night it opens. But I'm not going to like be all excited about it the way I was with TFA and Rogue One. Yeah, um, it, it's one of those things that okay, I'll see it, but I don't think I really needed it because 
you know, I already like Han. I don't need it to know anything about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, material at this point. I, I love him like a lot. Like I love Han Solo, and I think that's like the number. That was the first reason I was like, oh, I'm tense about it because it's like I've read so many cool Han Solo adventures and so many wacky ones. Um, but yeah, like I, um, I, I think that I'm kind of still like eh, about this project. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big question that I have for you is that. You know, we, we saw the director fiasco, and it seems like Lucasfilm has this specific style and type of movie and story they want to have on screen. And we also kind of saw that with some of the changes um, that were made to TFA and especially Rogue One. Um, so that kind of makes me ha- makes me think, is Disney and Lucasfilm taking enough risks with Star Wars? You know, I had a talk like this uh, with with my boyfriend uh, recently, actually, um, and I, I definitely I don't think there's like a lot of he, he brought it up. I, I, th- I don't think there's like a lot of risks being taken recently, but I think that's just uh, outward uh, an outward appearance um, because you do have things like Forces of Destiny, which they knew would face backlash despite being like a two minute cartoon. Um, so that I think is the biggest thing is that like, especially with these new anthology movies, when we, when it was originally pitched, the way I kind of saw it was there were going to be, these were star Wars stories that were existing within different genres. And it kind of just seems like they're not tilting as far and they're trying to play it safe because the people, you know, on, on top, like people who are Kathleen Kennedy's bosses are looking for a certain type of film. Um, but I think they did a great job with Rogue One. Honestly, it's the best new film out. Like I, I love Force Awakens, but Rogue One is my favorite new one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. Like I even even when Rogue One went through its changes, I was still like kind of like yeah, I'm still down with this. It still looks good. Um, I don't I don't mind that like you know people left or blah 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 or there were changes made. I'm I'm still into it. It was still a good movie, but you know. I'm like so so on Han Solo as it is because I you know that that was my as my first husband so he needs to either be given a great movie or no movie at all. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. I mean I I kind of think that uh, you know when it comes to these spinoff movies I was really hoping that we would see some new things that isn't your typical Star Wars adventure. As much as mm-hmm. I love Rogue One, and I do agree with you, I think it's the better film over TFA. Um, not to say TFA is bad. I just think I enjoyed Rogue One a lot more uh, and, and got more out of that than I did TFA. Um, I do think that it's still catered to the formula, if one exists, that is Star Wars. And I kind of don't mm-hmm. think that Star Wars should have a formula. Uh, it's I argue that it's always been something that innovates filmmaking. And we didn't really see that with the past two movies. Uh, we did with the original trilogy for sure. And I also think that we, uh, saw that in the prequel trilogy. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, maybe Han Solo will surprise me or, you know, maybe this is also something like Marvel's phase one, which mm-hmm. didn't really take any risks. It, you know, had Iron Man and I think Hulk and, you know, maybe the first Captain America was released, uh, and then Avengers, and then I think Thor was released, which is like the biggest unknown mm-hmm. superhero that was out. But you know, once we got into Phase Two and Three, 
I mean, that's when you see like Ant Man and Guardians of the Galaxy, which were you know both successful movies uh, for Marvel. So maybe you know once we get this probably first four movies out of the way, hopefully we'll see some new uh, new things from Star Wars that make it uh, less expected or less predictable mm-hmm. than what we're getting right now. I think the comparison between Rogue One and, and Han Solo is maybe a bit unfair for people who are criticizing that difference, just to like take the other side for a second. Um, Han Solo and Rogue One are very different movies in that regard, because Han Solo is about an established character. Rogue One is about something that happened in like part of a line of the opening of A New Hope. So yeah. they had a lot more freedom to just go nuts on and do like, oh, this character is going to be like this, and this is what's going to happen to them, and you know, and uh, versus like Han Solo, where it's like, okay, he has to have this kind of personality, he has to end up this way so that he goes on this course. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's definitely I, I can see where there would be like a much more like, oh man, we have got to stick to the formula thing because Han Solo is part of the formula. Like he's yeah. you know, Lauren. That's why Lawrence Kasdan is probably so protective of him. Uh, is because he he's a, an original trilogy character. He's one of like the precious gems of Star Wars, and so I can totally see why they they want to be really safe with him. Mm-hmm. But also, it kind of sucks. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like I'm, you know, I'm 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 keeping my eyes open. You know, Rogue One was a great movie, and so if we're going off of that, I'm excited to see what comes in the future, even if it's not like. On Solo, we can still look forward to The Last Jedi at the end of this year and the other spinoffs, which are hopefully about some really cool people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm still optimistic about the future of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. What did you <laughs> think of the Ron Howard appointment? Um, I think that Ron Howard is a fantastic visual director, and so I'm really excited to see that. Um, but I don't know. I mean... You know, I've seen so many of his projects, but I, it's going to be interesting seeing how he picks up because so much of it is already pretty much done. They were ready to go into reshoots at this mm-hmm. point um, from the stuff I read. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how much he does to it. Yeah. Um, if, if, you know, anything outside of like small changes and things like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Cool. Are you mm-hmm. excited for The Last Jedi? Oh yeah, I'm really excited for the Last Jedi. I I I like I love Ryan Johnson. I've been like following his work since he did Brick, and I was like I think it was like 18 things. So and, and I think he's a great director. So I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. I know when I saw the teaser at Celebration, I watched it initially, and then I, I kind of didn't like. I'm I'm still not in, onto the Last Jedi hype like I was with TFA. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird because I am just dying to see Luke do something on screen that isn't just staring yes. into the eyes of Daisy Ridley. <laughs> anything, anything. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping that like by the time you know October, November comes around, once we get like another big trailer uh, and we get more information about the characters and maybe some toys out, uh, I hope that my enthusiasm gets up a little bit. I, yeah, I really I'm, use it. I'm looking forward to Force Friday either way because we get those pretty Hera figures. Mm-hmm. So, yay, Black Series, finally! <laughs> really excited. So, <laughs> but, Oh, yeah, Force or, or the Flash Jedi also. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah. like, I, 
you know, I, I kind of felt they would play it safe with The Force Awakens, which I guess was like the biggest piece of criticism um, in it. Uh, but I think The Last Jedi is going to be really interesting because mm-hmm. of Brian Johnson, because of the writing team, because of everyone that's kind of attached to it. And the fact that we get to see Luke in action as an old man, it's going to be really, it's going to be interesting to see how he differs from Obi-Wan, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a mentor, right? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anxious to see what happens with Star Wars. Just not just in general. I, I hope that it's yeah. it's nothing but positivity from here on out. Positive. Give me seventy year old Hera. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. She's, she might still be kicking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Katrina, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of chasing fandom it was a great conversation um thanks for having me <laughs> you are welcome uh if people want to uh, get a hold of you and talk to you about star wars or their uh, love for han solo where should mm-hmm. people find you at you should hit me up on twitter.com at Katrina, and you can look for Katrina anywhere on the internet and find me uh that's o-h-c-a-t-r-i-n-a um and catch me at your next local wizard world show where i will be likely running around like a chicken with its head cut off <laughs> that sounds interesting so much fun i love I, I genuinely love it it's so much fun i love doing these shows awesome well thanks again katrina <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me so once again thanks to katrina for joining me for this episode of chasing fandom please follow her on social media so you can stay up to date with all of the cool things that she is putting out. Really looking forward to that comic book. If you want to let me know what you thought about this episode or just the podcast as a whole, you can send me an email, chris at randomchatter.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at the Curse of Chris. You can follow the Chasing Fandom Twitter at Chasing Fandom or the Random Chatter Twitter at Random Chatter. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash randomchatternetwork. Please leave ratings and reviews for the show as well as everything on the Random Chatter Network that helps us get up in the rankings and more people to know about us. Finally, if you're interested in donating to the network as uh, part of Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash randomchatter. We just redid the perks, but the $1 a month perk, which is access to our Slack channel, still the same. So highly recommend that you do that. Again, it's only $12 a year, $1 a month. Lots of fun. Finally, the music you hear in this podcast is The Geeks Will Inherit the Earth by I Fight Dragons. So, gonna let those guys take you out just like always, and I will see you next time. Take care. <laughs>